Second John chapter one, verse one, the elder to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but all those who have known the truth, because of the truth which abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with you all, with you from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. I rejoice greatly that I have found some of your children walking in truth as we receive commandment from the Father. And now I plead with you, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment to you, but that which we had from the beginning, that we love one another. This is love that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment that as, as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that we do not lose those things we work for, that we may receive a full reward. Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house nor greet him. For he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. Having many things to write to you, I did not wish to do so with paper and ink, but I hope to come to you and speak face to face, that our joy may be full. The children of our elect sister greet you. Amen. This is the word of God. Please be seated. Pray. Father, we thank you for this time that you've given us to study your word. Holy Spirit, you are the one that illuminates scripture. You are the one that takes the scales off of our eyes and helps our minds to understand what you're getting through to us. I pray today that each one of us will be receptive, that each one of us will carve out some time out of their life right now to hear the word of God and to be touched by the spirit of God. We ask you this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Second John, keep watch. A watchman must, and it's dot, 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 dot. Watchman must do several things. Now, the key verse here, that at least that I came up with, is not found in, first, in Second John, but it's in 1 Corinthians 16, 13. It's the watchman's battle cry. And it says, watch. Watch. That means give attention. Keep awake. Be vigilant. Be on guard. Be on guard. Stand fast in the faith. And that's written in the perfect tense. And you know what that is? That's ongoing. That's ongoing stand, standing fast. To persevere, stand firm like a bull in a blizzard. And then it says, be brave, act like men, and be strong. That means to increase in strength. Increase in strength. Become stronger and stronger. And let all that you do be done in love. Now, if you have a study Bible, in the front of your study Bible, you will see what I'm going to be sharing with you. Most study Bibles have a introduction to a book. Well, this one happens to come from the Outline Sermon Bible. The author is John, the Apostle. It was written in about 80, 85 to 95, and it was written to a chosen lady. Now, there's a big debate over the who the chosen lady is. Is this an actual person, or, this, or is this a church? And I, I kind of lean towards it being a person. Uh, this church must have met in her home, and she probably had a large home, which would accommodate many people uh, in her home. And he's exhorting this lady to love the believers. Now, that would seem strange to love the believers if she's a Christian. But what was happening at the time of John was he's dealing with the Gnostics. He's dealing with the false teachers. And there were itinerant preachers that would come through the community. And because of the hospitality standards that occurred at that time, people would take these itinerant preachers into their homes. And they would give them shelter and give them food and give them comfort and that sort of thing. Well, some of these itinerant teachers were false teachers, were deceivers, and she laid it right on them. I'm not going to give these people shelter. They're not going to be coming into my home and, and that sort of thing. And some of the other Christians were critical of her because of her lack of hospitality. So she's being told here by John, don't respond in kind, respond in love. That gives you a little backdrop of what's going on here. So why is Second John so important? Well, 2 John makes clear what our position should be regarding the enemies of the truth. Now, you realize that's happening all around us. There are enemies to the truth. 1 John focused on our fellowship with God. That was 1 John. 2 John focuses on protecting our fellowship from those who teach falsehood. See, there's all kinds of false messages that are coming at you on a regular basis from all over the place. It's warning against the false teachers. John MacArthur has this to say. 
Second John stands in direct antithesis to the frequent cry for the ecumenical movement and Christian unity among believers. Love and truth are inseparable in Christianity. Good statement. Truth must always guide the exercise of love. Love must stand the test of truth. We don't love to compromise. We will not compromise the truth in order to love and have fellowship with those who are bringing on truth. Truth must exist before love can unite, for truth generates real love. When someone compromises the truth, true Christian love and unity are destroyed. I thought that was pretty interesting because there's such a move today that everybody get along. Everybody get along. We want to get along. We want to get along under the umbrella of Jesus Christ and what he teaches. Not something compromised in order to get along and be friendly with everyone. So, verse 1 through 3. Now, again, all, the theme is all watchmen must. And I want to encourage you, if you are a Christian, if you've been born again of the Spirit, if God is resident within you in the Holy Spirit, you've been saved, all those terms that we use in Christendom, you are a watchman. And it isn't just a watchman of the society. It is you are a watchman over what comes into your mind, what you allow to come into your being. Be a watchman. He starts out on verses 1 through 3. A watchman must watch and encourage. Watch and encourage. The elder, presbyteros is the word for elder. It means an older person, worthy of respect. A church elder. John, indeed, was an elder. To the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth. Now watch how many times he uses truth here in just a few short, short sentences. How I love in truth, and not only I, but all those who have known the truth, because of the truth which abides in us and will be with us forever. Then he says, grace and mercy and peace will be with you from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. Truth, 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 truth. He's hammering that at us, truth. Now, what are we to watch for? What are we to be diligent for? What are we to be on guard for? Well, it's, it's deceptive teaching that is happening around you. Certainly within a body of believers, we are to be watchful for that. But again, in your own mind, what you allow into your mind, what you read, what you look at, that sort of thing. Guard yourself. Our lives depend on watchmen. Now, keep watch that nothing leads you away from God. Watchman Nee says this. Remember, this, he wrote the book, The Normal Christian Life. If you would test the character of anything, you only need to inquire whether that thing leads you to God or away from God. And I would suggest this. Today, he, was, he, he lived 100 years ago. It would lead you to the true God or away from the true God. Because there are many voices that are saying, this is God, this is God, this is God. We were talking about the true God. The true God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. There's one. There's one true God. So with that background, uh, the elect lady, again, is an individual in the church body. And, and John cares for this lady and cares for this church body that she's involved with. Well, involved with. Watchmen must give encouragement to know the truth. Three times, know the truth, know the truth, know the truth, know the truth. Verse 1, whom I love in truth. Verse 1, all those who have known the truth. And I would suggest to you that those who know the truth will naturally follow the shepherd, will naturally follow the words of Jesus, will naturally be drawn to the things of Jesus. Those who know the truth, those who know the truth. Watchmen must know this, that Jesus is the truth. Jesus had a tremendous dialogue with Pontius Pilate in John chapter 18, verse 36 through 38. For time, I won't go through the whole thing, but Pilate asked him, are you a king? And Jesus said, yes, I am a king. I am a king. And he says in verse 37, these words, I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. In verse 37, he goes on, he says, everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Now look, at if you are a true sheep of the shepherd, when you hear something false, when something is off, 
you will know that it's not the shepherd's voice. You will be very familiar with the shepherd. You might not know exactly where to find it in Scripture, but you will say, hey, that is not bearing witness with my spirit. That is not bearing witness with my spirit. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me in John 10, 21. Those who know the truth will follow the shepherd. And what is he called in John? He is called the good shepherd. Oh, he's the good shepherd. He's called the great shepherd in Hebrews chapter 13. He is the chief shepherd in 1 Peter. We follow the shepherd. Jesus Christ of Nazareth, that's who we follow. There's a constant theme of Scripture. Know the truth. Walk in the truth. Over and over and over, we are admonished to know the truth and to walk in it. Why? Because from the beginning, false teachers have been there. Deception has been there. There are deceiving spirits that attempt to draw people away from the truth. And I believe that this is getting stronger as we get closer to the end. Closer to the end. This battle is ongoing, and it's daily, folks. And it's moment by moment during your day. Are you going to hear the truth? Are you going to digest and take in things that are false and start to compare them with Christianity and how that matches up with what Jesus said? Or are you going to filter that out and say, I am not going down that road? That's what I'd advise you to do. Don't let your mind be confused by the untruth. And again, we've talked about this many times. Technology today has facilitated this like at no other time. If you want to be an atheist, you can go to a website and you can look up tons of information that will draw you away from the truth of who Jesus Christ is. You could not do that 50 years ago. You could not do that 30 years ago. You could not do that until the Internet became so permeated with information. Hey, the Internet can be used for good, too. But you have to be very careful what you're looking, looking at. You can't say, well, it was on the Internet. That doesn't mean anything. <laughs> that doesn't mean anything. So, watchmen must encourage everyone of the truth. Now, what are we going to encourage them? What truth are we going to encourage them about? Of God's grace, his mercy, and his peace, we see in verse 3. And I will tell you, when you think about God's grace, think of his favor. Think of his loving kindness that is just poured out on, on his people. And actually, in John chapter 1, verse 16, it uses the term grace for grace. And I like to look at that as, as grace, like, like waves just washing up on the shore. Over and over and over, God graces us and graces us and favors us. And he gives us mercy, which is compassion. And I believe he mercies us over and over. Now, how many in here have, well, you don't have to raise your hand because everybody has to raise it, but you have experienced the mercy of God. You have not acted right, and you deserve to be squashed like an ant, and so do I, like many, many times, okay? Let's just face that. He has mercied us over and over and over. He is a wonderful God, and he gives us his peace, and that's tranquility, harmony, security, and safety. That's even here. That's why we're here. We can experience the security and safety of God. It's a, it's a constant, a constant need that we have. God's favor, his compassion, his tranquility, his peace are available to you now. You don't have to wait till heaven. <laughs> when we get to heaven, we're going to be able to enjoy it immensely more than here. But we can have his grace and his mercy and his peace right here now. Amen. Verses 4 through 6, a watchman must watch and practice the truth. Practice the truth. Watch this. He's going to be speaking to this lady. I rejoice greatly that I have found some of your children walking in truth. As we receive commandment from the Father, and now I plead with you, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment to you, but that which we had from the beginning, that we love one another. This is in the context of her getting a lot of criticism for, for not embracing these false teachers. This is love that we should walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment that as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. That means live in it. Live in this commandment of love one another. These people are treating her crummy, and he is telling them, don't respond in kind. More on that in just a second. So John is ecstatic that some of the people that he taught are actually walking in the truth years later. I can tell you that is a big deal. Because there are many, many people that embrace this thing for a short period of time, and then they disappear. They fall off the landscape. 
You don't see them again. And many times their lives have been gone down some awful trail, awful trail of, of despondency and despair. But there are some that have walked away, and maybe they continue to walk in the faith, and you see them years later, and they're walking in the faith. They love Jesus Christ. They're still serving him. I'll tell you, that is an ecstatic moment for any teacher, an ecstatic moment for any teacher. Because many, many hear the word, but few heed the word. Many hear, but few heed. Most people hear it in one ear, out the other. Or they hear the word of God and they say, eh, maybe later, not for me right now. I'll catch up with you later on that, God. Heed is this, regard with care, take careful attention, do what it says. That's heeding the word of God. Warren Wiersbe puts it this way, it's much easier to study the truth or even argue the truth. We get a lot of that, argue the truth, than it is to practice the truth, to practice the truth, to live this thing out. Big difference. Remember who John is dealing with. He's dealing with the Gnostics. He's dealing with the super spiritual. He's, doing with the, he's dealing with the superstars of spirituality and, and their false view of Jesus and bringing division and lack of love. And John's plea to this lady is love one another in verse 5. Love one another, even those you are, that are mad at you. Even, and that's not so easy, is it? To love someone when they're critical of you or mad at you. It seems that the lady was not welcoming to some itinerant teachers, and she was under attack for some, from some in the church. And this is, look, at if, there's oftentimes this happens in Christendom where you're not acting quite like I think you should act. You don't measure up to my standard. Look at this. A new, Jesus gave a commandment to all of us who are believers. Remember in John 13, 34, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, you must love one another. This way all men will know you're my disciples if you have love for one another. That is a requisite for a Christian. We must love one another. Love is not sentiment. Love is not emotion, although it's people try to make it that way. Love is that, we're not talking about gushy love. Love is an act of the will. And remember what we learned about love from uh, Josh McDowell? Love always provides for and protects. Provides for and protects. And that's what he's asking this lady to do. Provide for and protect. Love is obedience to Christ's command. It's proven by obedience to his command, but it provides for and protects. John to this lady is, love your attackers anyway. It is not so easy to love those people that are attacking you. I don't know about you. It's not so easy for me. It's, it's not natural, is it? What, what would it be? It would be supernatural. It would be something of God. It would be something of God, something God does in us. Folks, we are a watchman. Let's apply this. You are a watchman. You will be attacked by other Christians. Don't respond in kind, especially Christians who have wandered from the truth and are critical of you. You are called to practice the truth, not simply to know about the truth, uh, not simply to think about the truth, but to practice the truth. And remember, there's always going to be a contrary view coming at you. That's the theta complete. That's going to happen. You have to realize that. We are to love them, but don't have to agree with them. That's a big difference. We don't agree to get along. We want to be gentle. We want to be nice. We want to be kind. But if something false is coming, we cannot agree just to get along. Uh, remember, again, this is not natural. This is definitely the Holy Spirit in me. If you see this happening in you or in me, it is God, not us. Because our natural tendency is what? You do something to me, I do something to you. You do something to me, I accelerate it. You know, look at the Middle East. It's happening all the time. You watchmen are to practice the truth. You are to walk and live out Jesus' command in love. We are to practice, practice the truth. Now, verse 7 through 11. Verse 7 through 11, a watchman must watch. Remember, the key word here is watch. It's be vigilant, be alert, be on guard, and stand against error. We're going to spend some time on this. And stand against error. Verse 7 through 11, for many deceivers, uh-oh, have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. Those were the Gnostics. That's what he was dealing with in his day. 
This is a deceiver and an antichrist against Christ. Look to yourselves that we do not lose those things we work for, but that we may receive a full reward. Oh, this is a big thing. This is a big thing, a full reward. Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. They are genuine. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house, nor greet him, for he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. Now let's develop this a little bit. So, be vigilant, be alert, be on guard. And I would suggest to you that lives are dependent on the watchman. Lives are dependent on the watchman staying in their post or staying in their position and keeping watch, keeping watch. Isaiah 21.8, watchman, he calls out like a lion, my Lord, I stand on the watchtower all day. I do not leave my post all day long. I stay at my post all night. I am keeping watch. I am keeping watch. I am keeping watch. That is what a watchman does. Again, you're looking for deceivers that are coming into the body but you are also looking for contrary information as a watchman over your own being. And like I said, there's so much contrary information that comes in. Sounds good, because when you hear something that's deceptive, it always has an element of truth to it. There's always a hook to it to draw you in. Be very careful. Standing against error is another one of those easier said than done things, because we're in an epoch of time that is a a tsunami of errors coming our way. And watchmen must watch out for deceivers, spot them, and some are easy to spot, and some are difficult to spot. Some are easy and some are hard to spot. And again, the deceivers are coming in waves. Hear this again. There's always an element of truth in the deceiver. All the stuff you hear on the internet, there's an element of truth. All the conspiracy theories that you hear on the internet, there's an element of truth to hook somebody in, and to take them down the primrose path of deception. Be very careful. Deceiver means this, a roving tramp, a vagabond, and imposter. This is what these itinerant preachers were. This is what these, itinerant just means they're coming through the town and staying for a short time and then leaving. Okay? What, What do deceivers do? They mix truth with lies. Truth with lies. And John calls him in verse 7 an antichrist. And again, at John's time, he was dealing with the Gnostics, the super spiritual, the ones that didn't believe that Jesus came in the, came in the flesh. Jesus really didn't die in the cross on the, in his flesh for our sins. Again, stand against deceivers, the antichrist of our age. And I want to suggest to you there are some deceiving things that are going on in our age. I just have a few of them here. Remember this all cults. All cults, whether they're Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, Moonies, whatever they are, they are deceivers. They have a contrary view of who Jesus Christ is. All cults, all world religions do not believe that Jesus Christ is God, that he is not deity. That separates us. But that's not the only one. Another one is universalism. This is very popular today, and I can understand why it's popular, that all people eventually are going to make it to heaven. Everybody's going to be saved and make it to heaven. The problem is that Jesus never taught this. The apostles never taught this. The scriptures don't teach this. There's a defined heaven for believers and separation from God forever in a place that's called hell. Unfortunately, many choose to go that way. That's awful. Universalism also combines Christian and Muslim beliefs and say they worship the same God. No, they don't. Allah is not the same as Jehovah. They're quite different. Then there's the prosperity gospel that has been very popular, and I understand why that's popular. It's the health and wealth. Who doesn't want that? Give me your seed, get something back from it. And by the way, if you aren't healthy and wealthy, it's because you have a lack of faith, a lack of faith. That would be a false teaching. Then there's the New Age movement, which has become very, very popular today and has, has, has made infiltrations into the church. This is the Eastern influence. It emphasizes universal tolerance, universal tolerance, and also moral relativism, doing what feels good. Your morals are relativistic. It contends that man is divine 
and create his own reality and identity. This is absolutely false. The spirit of the age has infiltrated the church. Now, I want to suggest to you, Christian mysticism has been on the rise. Is on the rise. And it masks itself in some things that sound like it's pretty good, like contemplative prayer. Sounds like it's, like it's not a big deal. But contemplative prayer is actually emptying your mind and allowing other things to come in. And Be careful. Prayer walks, spirit guides, that sort of thing. Be very careful of this. And then there's legalism. You do what I think you should do, and if you don't, you're wrong. <laughs> legalism fosters a judgment of fellow Christians adhering to their own ideas, not the Scripture. That's legalism. Uh, God's standards are explicitly outlined in Scripture, and, and we're living in a period of grace. Grace, but we also don't want to err on the next one, which is a next topic point, is hypergrace. Hypergrace is an overreaction to legalism, and people are re- abusing the grace of God. They can sin with impunity because I've been saved, so I can do whatever I want, and I'm in. I'm in. I'm safe. That is not an attitude of someone who is truly born again. That is not the attitude. And then there's the emerging church. Who knows what in the world that is? I'll try to define it as best I can. It employs culturally sensitive methods to make the gospel more palatable to a postmodern culture. The postmodern culture believes this. Your truth is your truth. My truth is my truth. Hey, just have your own truth. There's no real truth. I can see you just making this stuff up in your mind, okay? Jesus' life is treated like an allegory or a narrative rather than a true event. And they, they're inclusive of many belief systems. There's a lot of emphasis on emotions and experience with these things, that there's no hell, there's no judgment, there's no need for forgiveness, uh, and also there's no repentance. Something that is very basic with all of these is the following. Behind all false ideology is a belief that Scripture is not infallible. It is not infallible or God-breathed. A 2014 Gallup poll says this, 22% of Americans believe the Bible is the actual Word of God and should be taken literally. 22%. This is in 2014. We have five more years of who knows what happened to that statistic. 28% believe it's the actual Word of God, but with multiple possible interpretations. You interpret it your way, I interpret it my way, you get out of what you want. Look at when, when you are developing a text, you want to know what God thinks about it, not what you want to impose on it. That's the truth of it. 18% believe it's an ancient book of legends and histories and moral precepts written by man. I can't tell you how often I've heard this one. That men wrote this that are fallible. Look at Men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. All Scripture is God breathed. It came from God to the prophet, to the paper, or to the people. Okay, that's the thing. This is where we are in America today. Watchmen, stand your watch. Guard yourself. This is an important, important concept. Guard yourself. Let's get back to our text here. Your job is to look to yourselves and keep watch. And again, keep watch over yourself. Keep watch over your family. Keep watch over your community. Keep watch. Spot them. Don't be fooled. Now, how do we respond as a body? How do we respond as an individual? How do we respond as a people to false teaching as it arises within the church? Well, you want to preach Christ. You want to reinforce biblical doctrine. And you want to cling to the highest authority, which is the Word of God. That is what we cling to. So watchmen must finish strong. That is very important. And the reason you want to finish strong, well, first of all, we love the Lord, okay? But guess what? You're going to get a reward. And he mentions in the text here a full reward, a full reward intimating that you might lose some of the reward by the way you're conducting your life. It implies you can lose your rewards. This is at the Bema Seat Judgment. Remember, your sins were judged at the cross. You are clean and pure and holy as you're ever going to be when you say yes to Jesus. This Bema Seat judgment is a judgment of your works after salvation. 
We're saved by grace through faith, not by works. But once we're saved, remember we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus in Ephesians 2.10 for good works. For good works. So there's an expectation that once you're saved, you're working for the master. You're working for the master. So this is, this is an important concept. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11 through 15, talks about the Bema Seat Christ. For no man can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, or precious stones, that's stuff that is permanent. Those are the things that you have done for Christ that will last, that will, that will sustain the fire test. If you've done things with wood, hay, or straw, wood, hay, or stubble, those are burned up. You've done them for yourselves. You've done it for some other reason other than for Christ. Each man's work will become evident, for the day will show it, because it is to be revealed with fire, and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. Not the quantity, the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built on remains, he shall receive a reward. If a man's work is burned up, he shall suffer loss, but he himself will be saved as through the fire. The encouragement here is full reward. Get a full reward. Be all out for Christ. If you're going to be in this thing, be all out. Be all in. Not toe in and toe half. My toe's in, but the rest of me's out. Uh-uh. I want to be all in. Faithful service, folks, is to the end. It's not halfway through my life, not three-quarters of the way through my life. It's all the way. And those who falter will not receive a full reward. There's some scriptures that actually give credence to this. Matthew 16, 27 says this, For the Son of Man is coming in the glory of his Father with his angels and will then recompense every man according to his deeds. Interesting thought. The parable of the talents in Matthew 25, 14 through 30. Some people had five talents, some people had two talents, some people had one talent, the five and the two doubled theirs, the one hid his. That guy's not going to get a full reward. A full reward, working all out for God. Proverbs 24, 12 says, He will render to man according to his work, what we have done. Our rewards are going to be important. While we're here, we kind of think, ah, it's not that big a deal. I'm just going to make it in. It's going to be great and wonderful. Somehow, I believe that this judgment is going to be significant significant. When we stand before God and give account of our lives, what we've done for him after salvation, and I believe when we see him, we will see him as he is, we will have total knowledge, and at that time, we will know, like at no other time in our existence, how important Jesus is and what he did for us and how significant it was that we lived for him. It'll be very important at that time. And what these rewards are, no one really knows. But it seems to me it's going to be some way, we have crowns, we do see those five crowns that are demonstrated in Scripture, but there's some, something, some joy related to this, a joyful reward that we're going to be getting. And we would like to have that full reward at that Bema Seat judgment. Paul says this in 2 Timothy chapter 4, finish well, finish well. Don't start the race and then dribble off. Don't be half in and then, and then dribble off. Stay in it to the end. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. A watchman must stand against false doctrine, against false teaching. And again, some teachers are very convincing. And I can't say this enough. There's always an element of truth to get the hook in, to get the hook in. Now, what is true doctrine? Well, true doctrine is something that is taught by Jesus and then the apostles. Jesus and the apostles. So. Galatians chapter 1, you've heard this verse before. He's talking to the church at Galatia, and he's saying, you so quickly fallen away from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, and you're perverting this gospel. And he says in verse 8, if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what was preached to you, let him be accursed. Let him be anathema. Let him be destroyed. And he repeats it. Holy Spirit, repeat. As we have said before, so and I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. This is a double warning. Anything that is not congruent with what Jesus taught and the apostles taught, we are not to entertain. And again, there are many competing voices that are coming at us on a continuum. Believe me, 
Believe me. Believe me. And they're false, and they're false, and they're false, and they will have an element of truth to get you hooked in and then take you down the primrose path to destruction. That is the truth of it. Now, there are many inputs that we have to us today that other people did not have. Our churches are filled with false teachers, but it's not just that. We see it on the TV. We see it on the Internet. We see all kinds of people that are coming at us. And most of the time, the contrary view has to do with three things, money, power, or control. Money, power, or control. If you believe this, send me your money. If you believe this, you're going to get power. If you believe this, you can get control of your life. If I believe in Jesus, he can control my life. I give it over to him. Now, verse 10 is an interesting verse. And I don't know how you've looked at this, but I'd like you to maybe look at it a little differently than maybe you've looked at it in the past. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, the doctrine that we talked about in Galatians 1, 6-9, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, do not receive him into your house nor greet him, for he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. Now, does this mean we should never, ever, ever invite a Mormon, a Jehovah's Witness, a Mooney, whoever they are, into your house? Is that what this means, to discuss sound doctrine? Now, I want to give you a caution. If you are one that thinks that you can deal with these folks, be very careful because they're very savvy. They have their scriptures memorized to confuse the Christian. And their greatest recruitment ground are non-biblically-based Christians. Okay, That's where they recruit from the most. Now, we are called to give an apologia, a reason for the hope that we have. Remember 1 Peter 3.15, always be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that you have. But, but, great qualifier, do this with gentleness and respect. As Christians, we are always to approach somebody with a contrary view, with gentleness and respect. It marks us as Christians. Marks us. And then it says, do not receive him into your house. And I would suggest to you, at the time of John's writing, that churches met in homes. And what I'm thinking is happening here is they're saying, don't allow these itinerant pastors to have a place in your local church. Don't invite them into your church to give them a platform in your church. This is warning against fellowship with false doctrine. We don't want to bend our belief system to accept something that is false just to be nice. That word greet him is the Greek word lego. Ever heard that word? Lego. And it means knitting your minds together. We protect our minds from the false teachers. How? We don't let go. We don't greet them. We don't knit our minds together and contemplate what they are saying. See, look, it's easy to get deceived and be taken away from the truth into something false, particularly if you're not really grounded in the truth. If you're, you're, you're just kind of a wavery Christian, it's easy to hear something contrary and go, oh, I think I like that. Well, that's right up my alley. I think I embrace that. It's easy to get caught up in that stuff. Protect yourself. Protect yourself. The warning in verse 11 is this. He who greets him shares in his evil deeds. What does that mean? You are as guilty as they are. You may not embrace what they are saying, but if you greet them, if your mind is entertaining what they are saying, then you are as guilty as they are. That's very dangerous. Do not agree to get along. The ecumenicalism is not what we're looking for. Remember, we used the word last week, syncretism, mixing together the false and the truth. Let me say this. You can have 90, 95% truth, and you mix in that 5%, it still makes it false. It still makes it false. Romans one thirty two was a tremendous warning. I don't know if you remember Romans chapter 1, but three times, He's, he gives them over. He says, I give them over to their lust. I give them over to their perversions. I give them over, give them over. And in verse 32, he says this, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, all these people that have been given over to their sin, you want it? Then God says, okay. This is after going through all kinds 
of God <coughs> attempting to lead you in the right way. Rejection, rejection, rejection. I don't know how many times that has to happen. It has to be a lot. Because God is gracious, he's compassionate, he is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. That's long-suffering. But there's a point when God says, okay, and he gives you over to it. That's your point of no return. Because you've known the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things, those who are involved in it, this isn't talking about something that just kind of slips into something and they realize it's wrong. We all deal with that. This is someone that's given over to it, and I'm going to live this life, and I don't care what anybody says. That's the attitude. Practice says things are deserving of death, but not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. That's intimating that if you approve of what they're doing, though you don't do it. So how many times have you heard politicians say, uh, I don't believe in abortion, but I believe that someone should have the right to kill their baby. Now, who God is saying very specifically here, you can't cop out on that. If you're agreeing with that, that that's okay, if you're giving credence to that, you're as guilty as the person going and, and doing it. We have the whole, the whole gamut that's happening in our society now. The whole gamut of things that are drawing people away from God. Folks, you are a watchman. Identify false teachers. Do not greet the false teachers and give them a platform in your, in your lives or, or in a church or anything. Do not fellowship with them. Not only false teachers then in the church, but today. Look, at false teaching comes at you in a multitude of ways. I've said this just a second ago. TV, internet, radio, computers, iPhones. They can all be conduits to deception. Watchman, keep watch. He calls out like a lion. My Lord, I stand on the watchtower all day long. I stay at my post all night long. I am ready. I am watching. I am not going to be the one that is deceived. Hold on to the truth. Hold on to the truth. Guard against the false gods of the age. There's a, there's a spirit of the age called the zeitgeist. There's been movies on this stuff. And it's something that is always to take you away from the true God into something false. That's just the truth. False teachers, guard against it. Do not be deceived. You watchmen must stand against the error. And then watch and don't fall asleep. It's easy to become numbed in this culture, numbed to what's going on, numbed to what's coming into your eye gate and ear gate, numbed to what's happening around you. Oh, no, keep watch, stand guard. Verse 12 and 13, a watchman must hold on, must watch and hold on. He's going to give us farewell, having many things to write to you. I did not wish to do paper and ink, but I come to you and speak face to face that our joy may be full. The children of your elect sister greet you. Amen. So watch, be diligent. John had much to tell them. Not just this little 13 verses. He had much to tell these people, but he wanted to do it face to face. Now hear this. The best way to communicate is face to face. Not on an email. Not on Facebook, not on some other, face-to-face, -face, you see body language, you see inflections. You can, it, the communication is much greater face-to-face -face than in the written format, face-to-face. -face. And then tell them about Jesus face-to-face, -face, that our joy may be full. One day, and this will happen, this will happen to you. We will see Jesus face-to-face, -face, and our joy will be full. Full, complete. We will see him as he is. There will be no more wondering. No more wondering. In an instant, all of our questions will be answered. You're going to be brilliant. In one split second of time, you're going to know how electricity actually works. You're going to know all about quantum physics. You're going to know all about everything in a split second. Isn't it going to be neat? You're not going to be the dumbest guy in class. You're going to be, look, everything is going to be, you're going to know. And all the spiritual questions you've ever had, boom, are going to be answered. You're not going to put Jesus through some sort of questioning period of time. Well, what about this, Jesus? Oh, no. You're going to know instantly that he was right. He was right. There will be no more I don't understands in heaven because we shall see him face to face. 1 Corinthians 13, 12. Now we see but a poor reflection is in a mirror. 
Oh, then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully as I am fully known. I will see him face to face. You watchmen are to keep watch. Hold on. And I'm telling you, sometimes you just have to hold on. Do you not? And this is not easy here. I don't care how cake you think life is for somebody that has more than you, whatever that is. They have it hard too. Every single level has it hard. This is not an easy course on planet Earth. But it is much more tolerable when you're doing it with Jesus. Because he takes you through the fire. He takes you through the rivers. He takes you through the stuff. And he goes through it with you. Because what does he tell us? I will never, ne five times, never, 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 never leave you nor forsake you. I'm a friend that sticks closer than a brother. That's my Jesus. He is with me through this whole thing. A watchman's responsibility in 1 Thessalonians 5.21 says this, test all things. Hold fast to what is good and abstain from every form of evil. In conclusion, the watchman must. And isn't it amazing? We made it through a whole book. This is the first time in the life of Calvary Chapel that we made it through a whole book in less than months. And it was a day, yes, 13 verses, but hey, John certainly has been a watchman, and so has Peter, Andrew, James, all of them are watchmen, a watchman. I'd like to close with these words from Ezekiel 33, 7 through 11. Just hear this. Now, Ezekiel is a, is a watchman over a nation. This is, doesn't actually apply to you over a nation, but it applies to you in some way over your own life. And watch what he says. So you, son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore, you shall hear a word from my mouth and warn them for me. Remember, God spoke to the prophet Ezekiel, and Ezekiel would speak to the people. Now God speaks to us through his word. We speak the words of the word of God to the people. That is our responsibility. When I say to the wicked, O wicked man, you shall surely die, and you do not warn the wicked from this, his way. That wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hands. That was a big responsibility that Ezekiel had. I'm not trying to lay that on us as watchmen, but there's some application here. Nevertheless, if you warn the wicked man to turn from his way, and he does not turn from his way, he shall die in his iniquity, but you have delivered your soul. We have a responsibility to tell the truth to people, as uncomfortable as that is in our culture today. We are post-Christian folks in our culture today. We have the words of truth that people generally don't want to hear because we, are, we know that there's one way to God, and that's through his Son. Jesus said it, and Jesus always tells the truth. When he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, no man cometh unto the Father except by me, he was telling us he is the exclusive way. He is the door. He's the only way to God. Now, with that, all watchmen must take personal responsibility to warn those in your sphere of influence. So we, we can't go to a nation. We can't go to a king. But you can represent him right where you are. And if you're a watchman, you are to tell them the truth. Now, remember Paul picked up on this, this imagery of a watchman in Acts chapter 20, verse 27, when he says to them, I'm free from the blood of all men because he's declared the whole counsel of God. He was referring back to this watchman situation. So we, in, in some shape or form, have a responsibility, maybe not like Ezekiel, but we have a responsibility as a watchman to watch over our own minds, to watch over our homes to watch over our loved ones, to watch over our church. It's our church. This is not, okay, this is, let's just, this is not my church, okay? This is the church of Jesus Christ, and we're all in this together. And we are all to watch over Jesus' church, all of us together. All of us together. And he says an interesting thing. In Ezekiel 33.11, it shows you the heart of God. And please don't miss this. God has a heart for people. He loves them so much that he died for them. Those who spat on him, those who pierced him, 
those who ignored him, those who ridiculed him. He died for each one that they might be able to be with him forever. That's what he did for us. Listen to the heart of God in verse 11. He says, say to them, you can feel the passion here. As I live, says the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked from turn from his ways and live. That's the pleading of God. Turn and live. Turn and live. Turn and live. Turn from your evil ways. For why should you die, O house of Israel? He's pleading with us. Turn and live. All watchmen. Remember our theme verse in 1 Corinthians 6.13? Watch. Folks, stand fast in the faith. Be brave. Be strong. Let everything you do be done in love. Look at you're rescuing people with the truth. They might not like you when you give the truth, but we are to be brave, to be strong, to persevere. Let everything that we do be done in love. We don't come at them with guns blazing. You know, get get right or get left or whatever it is. You know, come at them with a soft heart, a heart that says, God loves you. He loves you. He wants you to be with him forever. This is the way through all of the false religions of the world. This is the only way through Jesus Christ. That is it. A watchman must watch. And folks, I want to suggest to you, people's lives depend on the watchman. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Watchman, you've heard the word of God. Now it is up to each one of us to obey it. Keep your watch. Don't become weak. Don't become apathetic. Don't fall asleep on watch. Don't be mesmerized by everything that's going on around you. Keep your watch. Keep your eyes glued on what is happening in the culture around you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time that you've given us to study the Word of God. And Lord, we are grateful that you have given us this word, for without it, where would we be? We'd be making things up as we go. I thank you that it's been proven over time to be the truth, the true word of God. It is the only word in all of history that has fulfilled prophecy. It is the only word that tells us about God coming to this earth and dying for the sins of people. It is the only word that tells us that he died on the cross for our sins, was buried, and he rose again from the dead. And those who believe in him, accept his death in their place, can live forever with him. It is the only word. It is the only truth there is in this world that is running from God. Lord, help us to take on the responsibility of being a watchman seriously. For those we come in contact with, for those that you give us a moment of time to give them the, the, the life-saving message of Jesus. May we take that opportunity. May we take our responsibility seriously. And may we, like Paul, say, I'm free of the blood of all men because I've declared the whole counsel of God. I've given them the truth. Lord, do, help us to do it with loving kindness. You love us, Lord. You love us. Thank you that we can live with you forever. Thank you for this time to study. In Jesus' name, amen.